Welcome to the Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope, and I hope this encourages you wherever you're listening. Enjoy. I love that. I was like, I'm married. That is good to know. Um, Before we get into our talk, why don't we pray together? God, I thank you that you are here. I thank you that you're a God who speaks to his children, that you desire to come close, to know us. And I pray that long after we've walked out of these buildings, that your words of scripture would be impressed on our hearts, that your call to be missional and to be disciples would be something we take out. Lord, be with us, I pray. Encounter us during this time. We are so excited and expectant for all that you will do in our lives. Amen? Amen. Wow, friends, it's good to see you. I'm like having a one-handed fight with my freaking iPad case, but it's fine. <laughs> We're good. Um, well, good evening. And a warm welcome, whether you're with us online or you're here in the room. It is so good to gather together as the people of God to pray and to seek to grow as disciples. Well, today is Welcome Sunday, which means that today, you guessed it, I'm going to talk to you about welcome. Could you imagine if I was like, so today I'm going to talk about sin. <laughs> like, no, we're going after welcome. It is what it says on the tin. Because we want our church to be one that welcomes in the stranger, one that invites people into family. For the people of East London, it's not some cool sounding tagline. It's a mission statement. We want to be known for welcoming in people who are from all walks of life so that they can come and encounter the God who made them and who calls them his own. And as we reflect on welcome, I can't help but note that if we don't feel welcomed by God, we're not going to be very good at welcoming others. You know, I can remember being eight years old and having this really weird image of what I thought God was like. It was kind of cobbled together from really ropey primary school lessons about like the day of judgment and like sin. They shouldn't teach that stuff in primary school. Um, There was a little bit of me, I think, misunderstanding the story of Abraham and Isaac. God doesn't come out well in that story. And then I just think there was a fair bit of projecting. As a kid, my dad seemed really scary. So I assumed God must be really scary too. You see, in my head, the only times that you would talk to God weren't in like private prayer, but like when you have that conversation about where you're going, like, you know, like the conversation. So in my head, what would happen is if I ever wanted to come to God, I would have to make sure that I'd lived some perfect life. Because if I didn't, well, one day I'd meet God face to face and In this meeting, there would be like a cinema-sized screen that played every single bad thing I have ever done in my life in front of every single person I love. And as they watched it all, they would shake their heads and wag their fingers, and they would be so annoyed with me. But the worst bit wasn't everyone watching my every mistake. And like, by eight years old, how many mistakes can you have made? Like, I formed this like picture really early. Um, But the worst thing wasn't the other people. It was God. Because in my head, in the head of eight-year-old Nye, like absolute goody two-shoes, never does anything wrong, I thought that God would look at me and he would go, I'm not angry with you, Naomi. I'm just disappointed. You remember when your parents said that? That's what I thought God was like. And so naturally, I gave God a pretty wide berth. 
I figured he must be annoyed with humans, you know, with the whole Adam and Eve thing and then the denying Jesus thing. And as ridiculously as it started, that sense of God's disapproval with me really stuck. It followed me through my teens and into my early 20s. Even as I began to ask questions about what God was like, I definitely thought he wasn't for me. Fast forward to a few friends at university who happened to be Christian, suggesting that, that maybe God wasn't quite as bad as I made him out to be. And so I can remember praying one last ditch emergency prayer in my dorm room. And the prayer sounded something like this. Hi, God. Uh, I don't know if you're real, but I've been trying to live this life in my own strength. And what I'm finding is that it's leaving me resentful and frustrated and like I've got more questions than answers. So if you are real, could you come? And it's a bold prayer to pray at the best of times. It's an even more unexpected one when you're not really sure that this God likes you. I was terrified that God might not speak, that I'd be too sinful, too broken, too unlovable to ever be welcomed into relationship. Perhaps you know what that feels like, to talk yourself out of intimacy with God because all you can see are the obstacles. All you can see are the shame and disappointment or the unanswered prayers and that sense of hopelessness. Or can I encourage you this evening that with all of those worries whirling around my head, what actually happened was that the air was filled with this sense of heaviness as the presence of God filled the room. And I had this picture of a father running towards me, picking me up off the ground and saying, I can take it from here. I couldn't believe it. I didn't really know what to do with it. That one day changed the entire course of my life. It changed the very path I'd been on as I learned to accept this invitation that God was offering to me. And it's the same one on offer to you today to engage in relationship with Jesus and to let him set the course for your future. So today, why don't we open up a text that gets right to the heart of welcome and that's found in John chapter 1, looking at verses 11 to 14. So would you read along with me as the slides come up on the screen? He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace. Amen. Amen. Well, the Gospels are a gift. They speak so clearly of such a life-changing reality, which is that Jesus Christ, who lived in perfect relationship with God from the very beginning of the world, looked at us and was grieved at how separate and how far we were from him. But he didn't just look at us from afar, he entered into our sin, into our shame, into our flesh and bones and insecurities, into our reality dwelling among us. And in Jesus' coming, he offered us a new story. Instead of being strangers, even being enemies, he offered us the chance to be children children born of God, children with access to everything God has, 
Children who don't need to derive our identity from popularity or performance, but from the confident and secure knowledge that God calls us his own. God looks at you and sees his child. And no matter what thing you think might disqualify you, you cannot stop him from doing so. Jesus didn't wait for us to be perfect people before he welcomed us. He simply entered into our mess and said, let me introduce you to my father. And if you're here today and you don't know God, do not leave this place without asking him to come into your life. He is ready and waiting. And God is so good because he often extends that offer of welcome through his church as men and women get around us and invite us into community. We need one another to pray together, to encourage each other, to make God's love all the more palpable. When I came to faith, I was amazed by the welcome that people gave me. In my worries and my fears and my shame, I thought I would walk through the doors of a church and either get like struck down by lightning or that everyone would turn their back and judge me. It never occurred to me that they might invite me into their lives, that they might invite me into connect group or help me join a team. I've been like so passionate about youth work for as long as I could remember. I don't know if you guys lived in areas that had like youth mentor schemes. I was what was called a peer mentor. Oh yeah, oh yeah. When I like encouraged teenagers as if I had any life experience to give them. But you know, so getting to be involved in youth work, getting to help, getting to encourage and build out these young people was like food to my soul. The idea that I could do this and it would be a part of loving Jesus totally blew my mind. I didn't have to question if I was welcome because they made me feel at home. They invited me to have a seat at the table and showed me that I was needed too. My earnest prayer is that saint would be a place where you can feel that sense of welcome, where each one of us can see our role as making room at the table for people who long to see Jesus. And whether it's big or small, there are so many ways that you can invite people to come and see. Today, as you walked in, you would have been greeted by someone on the door. A smiling face in a bright orange top would have offered you a coffee. And the people beside you would have asked you, how's your week been? In everything we do, we can be invitational, constantly showing people ways to connect with the God who has saved each and every one of us. So let's commit to being people whose message is simply, you are welcome here. Let us gather together in the breadth of our diversity, united in our worship of God. A worship that calls us to love God, love one another, and to even love our enemies. The second bit of scripture I wanna draw you to is John 1, but picking up at verses 40 to 46. And it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. So Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. 
Come and see. I don't know what feelings stir in you when I speak of welcoming others. Maybe you're an expert evangelist and you just like found 10 people when you were walking into church and now they're all here. Maybe you can teach the rest of us how to do that. But if that's not what comes so naturally, if you don't quite know where to start or you feel nervous about having the right words to say, what I love about this passage is that with all of the different personalities that you see in the disciples, the message is the same. Come and see. Four different people for completely different reactions. In Andrew, we have someone who is already looking for God. Scripture says he was a, a disciple of John the Baptist. He had been searching and longing to know Israel's Messiah, but his brother wasn't. Whilst Andrew was looking and longing for Jesus, Simon was keeping the family business going. He was working with dad on the boats, keeping a roof over his family's head. Simon needed someone to care about him enough to invite him to Jesus. And that's where Andrew came in because when he received the good news, the first thing he thought was, I have got to tell my brother about this. This is gonna change his life. So often we can worry that welcoming others into faith and into church will make our loved ones think we're a bit weird, a bit overly religious. But Simon wanted to come and see. He just needs someone to bring him. My, I encourage you today that there are people in your life who want to come and see, but they are waiting for an introduction, an introduction from you. You might have walked past them in the street. It might be your next door neighbor with that teething toddler. Maybe it's an estranged relative that God's just been putting over your heart recently. For others, you worry about the response that your friends will have if they actually do come and see church but you're not responsible for how people react to God, to what they think of the worship or the preaching. I don't want the feedback. <laughs> you don't have to try and curate people's experience of the Holy Spirit. Your role is simple. With the welcome God has given you, offer it to others. Our passage shows that Philip didn't need convincing. Jesus said, follow me, and he followed. I wish everyone was like Philip. I'm not like Philip, but that looks real simple. But Nathaniel, well, he had questions. He weighed up this good news that his friend was sharing him against the real experiences he'd had of Nazarenes. And so Jesus made room for his questions, answering them and sharing things that no one else could know, opening a door in which Nathaniel could join too. As we talk about welcome, I know that it's something that so many of you take seriously. I won't start naming names, but we do have some excellent welcomers at this church. I think of those who serve on team or consistently invite new people along to the brewery. I love the moments where we gather together and we do good community events. I wonder if any of you were here for the Windrush barbecue that we had in the Walled Garden. Yeah? Raise a hand, let me know. Otherwise, you guys really missed out. I'm sorry for you. Um, but Ronnie and Noreen cooked us up a storm. And the youth turned into like the best welcome team I've ever seen. They were so flipping efficient. There were lanyards, security vests. They had like a whole process, almost like a kind of like, you know at weddings where they do like the arch thing and the people go through the that. That's articulate, right? <laughs> that was basically our youth team. They managed to do a tunnel all the way from here to the walled garden, making sure everyone had food, was having fun, was enjoying themselves. And the noise of that like holy chaotic gathering made everyone around the area curious too. 
they were so fascinated by these people who were just genuinely spending time. People who had seemingly nothing in common but a faith. What a gift that was to our community and what a good insight it shows us in the power of being welcoming. It's as simple as it is profound, but the call of the church is to worship God and to invite others to come and see because sometimes we just need someone to tell us to look up, to point out with awe and wonder all that is on offer in God. You know, I was reminded of this by none other than five-year-old Daisy Musson, who, whilst I was sat on a hay bale at Focus, interrupted all of my panic. I think it would surprise none of you to know that I'm quite like an A-type personality. I worry a lot. I'm real highly strung. The Lord loves me. It's okay. And so I approached Focus, honestly, just with fear. The idea of having to publicly speak in front of 8,000 people had me stressed. So I walked around the whole time with like a tube of Barocas like in my back pocket, a laptop under one arm, a coffee in my hand, like all the highlighters I could find in WH Smith. I was approaching it like an exam. I just went into full revision mode. And so I'm typing away on a hay bale as everyone around me is having fun. And I would have stayed like that, except I just feel this little tap on my shoulder. And I look up and Daisy Musson, full of all the glitter face paint, it was such an aesthetic, is in my face. And she goes, hi. And I was like, hi, Daisy. And she was like, I want to introduce to my friend Forrest. And I was like, that is the most East London name I've ever heard. But hi, Forrest. It is nice to meet you. And Daisy proceeded to make... And as I watched Daisy, what I watched was this lovely five-year-old girl proceeding to introduce Forrest to every single person on our pitch, to go into every tent, make her feel that she was welcome and like she belonged there and that we were here for her. I feel like Daisy got something right that I can get wrong all the time. I can't help but look at that example and go, I think we all need to be a bit like Daisy Musson. The way that she broke into the panic I was feeling and the striving that I was doing totally reset me as I remembered what actually mattered, as I focused on the opportunities that were in front of me and as I went, I want to welcome people like Daisy. We're all called to prioritise introducing people to God even when it gets into tension with our self-consciousness and our to-do lists. One of my favourite verses in the Psalms is Psalm 34, verse 8. And it really echoes this sense of welcome. And it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. There's this sense in which God does the proving. It's not about us being persuasive or convincing. It's just about God being God. The passage in John shows Jesus speaking to each of the disciples in such a way that they were drawn to following him, to seeing just who he was. And as the church, we're simply called to bring those on the margin to the one who speaks every human language and understands every human heart. So who might you invite to come and see? Maybe there's a friend or a loved one that God's been speaking to you about. Maybe even as I've been talking, God's been challenging you to widen your circle. Do not just spend time with people who are like you and have tons in common, but to be really intentional about those who couldn't be more different. You know, recently, the Lord has been breaking my heart for dog lovers. 
I don't understand you people. I think you're slightly unhygienic. As a cat lover, I don't know why you let these animals kiss you on your mouth and why you're okay with the whole wet dog smell. But the Lord loves you, and so I recognize that I am called to love you. We're different, but one body is okay. I jest. I kind of partially jest, but I jest. But I wonder, as Alpha emerges on the horizon, who could you invite? whether they are just like you or couldn't be more different. Perhaps when the service finishes, rather than rushing off, why don't you invite people around for dinner? Why don't you prioritize making time with people outside of this building? Because we don't want to be a church of strangers or one that is insular. And the only way that we can ensure that is by each seeing it as our duty to welcome people in so that they can find family and friendship with God and with others. At a time of rising costs, of real loneliness and worry about the future, the need for the church has never been greater. I want to draw just one more thing out of verse 42. It says this, Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Jesus knew who Simon was and he knew who he would become. So he spoke it over him. He spoke of Simon's past. You are the son of John, but also of what he had been made for. You will be called Cephas. Simon's calling was to be the rock that the church is founded on, to be the very foundation of the church. When Jesus called his new name, which literally means rock, like there's not a deeper meaning, like he renamed him rock. (laughs) That's it. It was God calling him into the very thing he'd been made for. As you bring people into God's presence, I wonder what God might call out of them. I wonder the prophets and evangelists and teachers that are just waiting for an invitation to know Jesus. Friends, the simple truth is this. Through Jesus, we are welcomed into relationship with God. And we know God's love because Jesus showed it. And that whilst we were still sinners, he died for us. And this truth changes everything. It sets people free. It offers them new hope. It rewrites their stories. Just look at Peter. So would you come close to God again today and accept that he sees you as a child of God? Would you be like Andrew, always on the lookout for where God is moving so that others can experience that grace too? And would you love like Philip? considering it your goal and your privilege to invite people far and wide to come and see. I'm going to leave you with this quote from the writer Summer Kennard that sums this up so well. In church, the people who are the best at making others feel welcome are those who have taken to heart the truth that God has prepared a place for them. They feel at home with God and they want to bring others into the circle of love they experience with God. God has prepared a place for you. He has made room for you. The Bible says he prepares a great banquet in celebration of those who return to him. But here's the thing. There are still spaces at the table and God is asking you today if you might just help him to fill them. So why don't we stand as we ask God to fill our hearts again and send us out to welcome and invite people into relationship with him. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's Saint podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. And if you want to find out more ways of connecting or if you want to support the vision of Saint, you can head over to saint.church. For now, have a great week and we'll catch up really soon.